This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. it is the subway to shea podcast episode 13 the edgardo alfonso episode you can follow the show on twitter at subway to shea listen and subscribe to the show on anchor.fm apple podcasts spotify google podcasts radio public breaker and pocket cast and also please take a few minutes to write me a review let me know what you think of the show I've seen a couple reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I really appreciate it. Pump up that star status for me. Help me get up there at top of the Mets podcasts that are already out there. I want to give you the best content possible, so let me know what you think. Also now, big news, you can also now find Subway to Shea on YouTube. I've partnered up with my friends at the HSP Network, and you will be able to find Subway to Shea content starting this week. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash High Spot Podcast and subscribe to their page and find content from this show. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. And coming up later on in the show, I've got a special guest, 2000 National League champion, New York Met, Glendon Rush is going to talk with us. It's pitchers and catchers, baby. We're going to talk about spring training. We're going to talk about that 2000 team, one of my favorite teams of all time. It's a great conversation. Glendon was awesome. Great guy to talk with. And I'm bringing you that interview later on in the show. But first up, we need to get into some business with the Mets. It wasn't a good weekend. Seth Lugo needs to have elbow surgery. He's going to miss six weeks due to the surgery to remove a loose body from his right elbow. Now, an MRI revealed a bone spur that had broken off his right elbow. He's been pitching with a partially torn UCL, which I thought this might have been linked to, and his elbow for at least the past four seasons. Now let's take a look at Seth Lugo's career stats. He's 25 and 19 with a 3.45 ERA, 12 saves, 384 strikeouts. Last year was a up and down season for him and basically because he had switched between the bullpen and starting pitching for most of the season. You know, the Mets lost Marcus Stroman, they lost Syndergaard, and they only really had Jacob deGrom and David Peterson, who was a blessing in disguise. But they had to move a pitcher to the rotation because Robert Gazelman wasn't getting it done, Michael Waka wasn't getting it done, Rick Parcello wasn't getting it done. So they thought, let's give Seth Lugo his chance. He's always wanted to be a starting pitcher. Let's put him back in the rotation. Well, not only did he have a rough time in the rotation, but this affected the bullpen the most, and both struggled. And that's why the Mets finished the way they did. It was a struggle for them. And this hurts right now, because let me be honest with you. I'm ready to do battle with this team and with the bullpen that we have. But that does not mean that I'm 100% confident in 
Juris Familia, Dylan Batanzas, and even Edwin Diaz, even to the great season Edwin Diaz had last year. You know, there was no fans in the stands. The pressure really wasn't there, and he was able to do his thing, but I don't know if I'm fully convinced yet. I hope I get proven wrong. I want to see him succeed, and some of his outings last year were just stellar, but I need to see it consistently. You also have now Trevor Mays also on the team. He'll be in that bullpen. The weird thing is that the Mets had designated for assignment, I think a day earlier, Brad Brock. Now he passed through waivers, but they released him. I thought that they were going to bring him back. Maybe they do bring him back. It's hard to not have these depth pieces in the bullpen, especially when your best bullpen arm goes down with an injury. And Seth Lugo is the best bullpen arm. He's so solid. And this right now only proves that the most important thing to get right now is more relievers. More than a starter. They need more relievers on this team. Now Trevor Rosenthal is available, but people are wish-washy on him. He struggled. Had a good 2020, but he struggled. Another Met that I wanted to return was Justin Wilson, but now he goes cross-town to the Yankees. They bring him back. So the Mets are going to need to beef up this bullpen. Right now, it's Edwin Diaz. Aaron Loop, Dylan Batanzas, Juris Familia, Miguel Castro, Trevor May, and Robert Gazelman. They did sign a couple of relievers to minor league deals in Mike Montgomery and Tommy Hunter. Montgomery career 23 and 34 with a 3.84 ERA, 415 strikeouts, left-handed pitcher. In 2020, he only pitched in three games, five innings to a 5.06 ERA. Now, Tommy Hunter's career a little bit better, 56 and 45 with a 4.08 ERA and 591 strikeouts. Last year in 24 games was 0-1 with a 4.01 ERA and 25 strikeouts. Now this is much needed depth to the bullpen because I'm pretty sure one of these guys, if not both, will see some time this year. But it adds depth to the bullpen, it adds depth to the minors, and the Mets continued their string of adding depth when they signed Kevin Pillar. Outfielder, center fielder, you know him from the Toronto Blue Jays. He played in Colorado. He's played in Boston. More outfield depth for the bench. I don't think he's going to be starting. I would not start him over Nimmo in center field, and I would definitely not start him over Dom Smith in left field. But to come in as a defensive replacement, I'm okay with that. Career 262 batting average, 82 home runs, and 344 RBIs. In 2020, 288. Six home runs, 26 RBIs. I'm going to let you guys know right now. At first, I didn't understand this signing. You know, it takes me a while. I have to think about these things. Because at the start, I just want to yell at the top of my head. I want to get frustrated when I see some of these signings that the Mets have made. But then you got to think. You got to sit down, relax, think about it for a second. And, you know, the Mets, they needed outfield depth all the way down to the minors. And that's why Khalil Lee was brought in. Khalil Lee was brought in for depth for that minor league outfield because all they have is Pete Crow Armstrong, and he's not going to be ready this year. Those two are their top prospects in the outfield right now, but they had no depth. And now with Pilar, with Amor Jr., you know, they got VR in the infield. They also got Jose Martinez. So Pilar, along with Amor Jr., like I said, could be late inning replacements for Dom Smith, for a Brandon Nimmo. And that's a good thing. Now, Almora Jr. and Jose Martinez have options, so it's possible that neither of them make it with the big team to start the season. The Martinez signing now seems 
to make less sense to me than the Pilar signing because Martinez is more of a pinch hitter. You know, he plays first and he plays the outfield. But at first base, you're going to have Pete Alonso. You're going to have Dom Smith. And then in the outfield, you got Pilar, Almore Jr. Conforto's not going anywhere. So where's Martinez going to play? I would think he'd be sent to the minors. Then you look at the bench. It's going to be strong. You got Nito as the backup catcher, Tomas Nito. You have Luis Guillorme. You got VR, Pilar, and Almore Jr. And that's if they decide to go with five men on the bench. If not, I think Almore Jr. goes to the minors because he has the option. So uh, the Mets have made a lot of depth moves. And that's really important. They were never this strong depth-wise. You know, having to go to double-A to bring up a player who's not ready and struggles in the big leagues. You know, this time they don't have to do that anymore. They got depth pieces, and it makes sense for me. Well, joining me now on the Subway to Shape podcast, former Major League Baseball pitcher and, as I like to best remember him, the anchor to the 2000 National League champion New York Mets starting rotation, Glendon Rush. How you doing, Glendon? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Well, pitchers and catchers is less than 24 hours away. It feels like forever since we've seen baseball. You did it for 12 years. Could you give us a little insight into your preparation for this day and especially the week before full team workouts begin? Well, I know it's the most exciting time of the year for for us as baseball guys is showing up and kind of reuniting with all the guys and and getting ready to go so i'm I'm sure the mets crew will be very excited to be back out there uh and start their workouts tomorrow as far as preparation went um you know it's a long off season you start I, i usually started somewhere in november uh throwing and doing all my lifting and everything that went along with it to get in shape for spring training i always like to show up to spring training uh, in pitching shape, um, some guys showed up a little further behind, and but I, I was game ready when I showed up. Um, so probably a little little ahead of where I maybe should have been, but I always I always felt better doing it that way. Any difference in preparing as a starter and a reliever since you did both? Um, I don't think there was much of a difference for me. Um, I always kind of went to spring training. Uh, in shape as as if I was going to start. Um, and then, you know, those last few years of my career where I kind of bounced back and forth and, and did both, I, I still showed up to spring um, ready to be a starter. So the Mets struggled last year pitching-wise in the rotation and the bullpen, both pretty much linked together. This year, it looks like on paper that they are a part of possibly the top three rotations in at least the National League with uh, Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, uh, Carlos Carrasco, David Peterson, and Syndergaard if and when he returns. What are your thoughts on the rotation? I love the rotation. Um, it, you know, health is always the key with everybody, with with any team in Major League Baseball. You want all your starters um to be healthy if everyone can go out and give you 25 or 30 plus starts in a season i think you had a you're, you're going to be happy with the results at the end of that um don't forget about uh joey lucchese that you guys picked up too i love him he i actually coached him when i was with the padres organization so um i think he's an exciting pickup that's going to help you guys uh whether it be you know out of the fifth spot or he becomes a swing guy or something like that um and, I, and I'm excited to see Stroman healthy for the whole year. I think that's going to be great. You know, speaking about Luke Casey, what, since you've worked with him, what intangibles do you see from him adding him to either the rotation or, like you said, as a swing man? Well, I think he's, he, he's got a bunch of talent and he's got a bunch of deception and his 
change up is very unique. Um, uh, you, you guys will get to know the word curve because uh, it almost is, it, it's almost like a hybrid of a curveball and a changeup, and it's got a different spin to it. And he gets guys out, and and he's young, and he and he really, you know, I think has a lot of upside to him. And I, I I love the kid, and I'm excited that he is a Met now. And speaking of, you know, Lucchese, there's also uh, Jordan Yamamoto, and you know, you've been through this. You've fought for a rotation spot. And it looks like the Mets are going to have to do that as well before we get to see Noah Syndergaard as he's rehabbing from Tommy John. What helped you that could help these guys out, the Yamamoto's and the Casey's, in trying to win that final uh, rotation spot? Well, I think you've got to keep in mind the big picture and the long haul of the season. So this year they're going to they're going to be out there for hopefully all you know a full schedule and into the playoffs and hopefully into the World Series. So you've got to realize that you're going to contribute in some way, shape or form, no matter whether you're the fifth guy out of spring training or not. So they're going to be a part of the plans and, and they have to um, prepare with that mindset. And I, th- I think that helps a lot. Take, take a little bit of the pressure off and, you know, being the fifth starter out of spring training is not the uh, end all be all for those guys. They just need to be prepared to contribute uh, throughout the season. Again, I'm here with 2000 National League champion Glendon Rush. Now, Glendon, let's get into that 2000 New York Met team, one of my all-time favorite teams. Two-part question I have for you. What was it like playing for Bobby Valentine, and how is it having Mike Piazza as your battery mate? Uh, I loved playing for Bobby. Uh, we had a great relationship. He, he gave me an opportunity there to kind of reprove myself after I was traded over from Kansas City and, uh, you know, treated treated me like one of his own so he he helped me find a place to live when I was there and kind of helped me get acquainted with the New York style of of uh life and baseball and everything that went along with it so absolutely loved playing for Bobby V and uh Mike and I were were um good buddies and uh we enjoyed uh spending a bunch of time together and and I loved having him as a battery mate I had some great catchers there in New York um so you know with Todd Pratt and Vance Wilson and um, we had Gary Bennett for a little bit. Um, so I, I think I was lucky that I always had somebody behind the plate that was that was back there calling a good good game and, and uh, helping me be as successful as I could be. You know, you're going to have to forgive me for this, but for the longest time, I thought that you came right at the beginning of the 2000 season, not realizing that you had been traded during the 99 season. You even got into a, a game for the Mets in 99, but you didn't get to play in the playoffs. Yeah, I was, you know, that's such an odd time to be traded because, you know, you generally, if, if you don't get traded at the deadline, then you get, can get traded at the August 31st waiver deadline. And uh, and then I was, you know, a couple weeks into September, uh, supposed to start the game that night for Kansas City in a doubleheader and, got got called that morning and traded to the Mets. And it, it was such a blessing in, uh, in disguise for me because I got to be there and be a part of what those guys experienced that last three weeks down the stretch and winning the one game wild card and everything that went along with it. Yeah. I got to, uh, I got in one game, I think against Philly, but um, I think the experience was invaluable because I got to see what that playoff run was all about and be around that veteran team that, ended up helping me and being a, a part of, uh, you know, the guy kind of kind of leading me through that, that same experience the next year. And you had some pretty solid rotation pieces in 99. You had Al Leiter, 
Rick Reed, people get on him for this, but Kenny Rogers was pretty solid down the stretch besides the one pitch in uh, game six. He was pretty solid, Oral Hershiser. So you had a, a really good starting pitchers to look up to or to even just like pick their brains during that whole playoff season. Great guys to be around. They were all very helpful to me. I was around Kenny Rogers again uh, like four years or so later when I was with the Rangers in spring training. Um, Oral was awesome. Al was a huge Al Leiter was a huge um, mentor to me and helped me along. And then and then I was lucky enough to have, you know, the following year in 2000, have Mike Hampton and Dennis Cook, Johnny Franco. All those guys helped me so much and, and uh, were great mentors to me and taught me what it was like to be a pro and, and be a part of a playoff team, too. I think it was huge. So we go to 2000, which was a very solid year for you in the rotation. You, you went 11-11 with a 4.01 ERA, two complete games. Uh, you were very important here. You were third in innings, 190, and then second in strikeouts with 157. You're the innings eater of that rotation. You know, like I said before, the anchor. Something that I think is very necessary in the rotation to have at least one pitcher who gobbles up those innings, gives rest to the bullpen, and and helps out the rotation. And three of you guys were innings eaters you Al Leiter Mike Hampton how was it being a part of that staff with Bobby Jones as well and Rick Reed uh, did it feel like a brotherhood and did you learn or work closer with one pitcher as opposed to the others or was it just all of you guys together I think we were all together of course you gravitate towards the left-handers you know I think um, especially Hampton and Leiter were completely different pitchers than I was you know Al's such a big fastball cutter guy uh, Hampton was a cutter, you know, sinker, curveball with a good hard four seamer. So I, I kind of took tidbits from everybody, and Bobby Jones and Rick Reed were awesome. And uh, you know, the guy, the guy that was a, a wild card for us too, that that um, you know really could do anything was Pat Mahomes as well. You know, he was kind of like a you know a spot starter, could go long, he could do everything. Um, and you know, he was there obviously a part of that big run in '99 as well. So in the playoffs now you moved from the rotation to the bullpen and and sometimes that could not be an easy transition especially with you know a short amount of time you you were in the rotation the whole year and then you you get put in the bullpen but you were great throughout the entire playoffs a 1.08 ERA you had 7 Ks and 6 innings pitched uh, you guys didn't win the world series but what are some of your favorite memories from that run well being a, being a part of that run was awesome and at the time, I don't think I really necessarily knew any better or even worried about going in the bullpen. I just, I, I know Bobby B sat me down and he said, I feel like you were going to help us possibly even more out of the bullpen than you would if I keep kept you in the rotation. And so I just took that and ran with it. I was prepared and ready to go when, when I was called upon. And I mean, the, the one experience that sticks out to me and that I'll never forget is, is coming in the a tie game of, game one of the world series at yankee stadium uh, i came in in the 10th inning and and uh, was able to wiggle out of a jam and you know that one i never forget i i don't forget any of the outings obviously but but that one was pretty special just because it was my first world series appearance and it was such a special series being yankees mets and at yankee stadium I and mean, there's a lot that went along that uh, with that outing that was pretty nostalgic you know even though the team lost that game and that was kind of you know, I, I guess the turning point so early in the series, just thinking about that, you come in the 10th inning at Yankee Stadium, the crowd's going crazy, the bases are loaded, and you just, you get the double play. 
How crazy was that whole inning coming in there? It was crazy. I, I always tell the story of, uh, you know, we had, we had uh, Bobby M. Jones on that team as well, left-hander. And I just remember after I got out of that jam, I remember Bobby Jones and Pat Mahomes basically jumping over the rail in the dugout on our side at Yankee stadium and coming out there to greet me. I mean, they were so fired up and, and they fired me up by, by seeing how excited they were. But yeah, I mean, it, it was essentially kind of a no win situation almost uh, coming in first and second with nobody out in the, in a tie game that, that if they score a run, the game's over and we were able to get out of it. Now, before we wrap up here, what have you been up to where fans can reach you on social media? Uh, I, I am actually, in Louisville, Kentucky, I am partially retired. I did some some really cool stuff last year with Twin Spires and the Churchill Downs. We did some stuff with their sports book. And as far as on social media, I think I'm just at Glendon Rush on Twitter. And I think I might be Glendon Rush 33 on Instagram. And I, I constantly, I use Twitter a lot. I, I, I love interacting with fans and I love talking uh, with you know, people from the Mets or the Cubs or whoever else, you know, I covered uh, 20% of the league with uh, six, six teams. So love interacting with fans and, and uh, having some fun. Well, Glendon, it was such a honor to have you on this show. And I really appreciate you coming on. I really would like to do this again sometime. Hopefully you can come on again and, you know, we could talk it up. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Glendon, I really appreciate it. So that's Glendon Rush from the 2000 National League Championship Mets played for the Cubs. Been all over, Glendon, man. You did it all. I did. I, I was lucky to be healthy and be around for a while. So it was, it was a good run. All right, Glendon. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your time, man. All right. Thanks. Boy, what a great interview with Glendon Rush. A lot of fun talking with him about the 2000 team, about the present team, you know, even talking about uh, Joey Lucchese and what he could bring to this team and possibly the rotation this year. Hope to have him on again. Really enjoyed it. Now, I'm going to wrap up the show here, but a quick observation I want to make. You know, on Twitter, I made this comment and... You know, there are a lot of fans that are praising Steve Cohen for all these signings that are being made. But when there's inactivity, they blame Sandy Alderson. Now, we all know Cohen gave Sandy full autonomy of the team. But if there's any signings that are going to be made, they have to go to Cohen at the end of the day, right? Like, he's not fully out of this. I just don't understand why Sandy is getting such a bad rap right now. You know, you can't compare this regime along with Sandy to when Sandy was with the Wilpons and their regime. You know, Cohen has only owned the team for close to four months, whereas the Wilpons had owned the team for 40 years and won one World Series. They made it to the playoffs in 99, 2000, 2006, 15, and 16. And then if you count 86, 88, that's seven times that the Mets made the playoffs in 40 years under the Wilpons regime. If you want to judge Cohen and Alderson in the next couple of years, fine. Cohen shouldn't be judged until, you know, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line for as long as he owns this team. Sandy, if you want to judge him next year, the year after that, fine. But it's important to know that as much as you guys want to get things done this offseason, as well as me, I wanted a lot of things done this offseason, but I understand what they're doing. I understand the strategy, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you do as well. Next season is way more important than this season. You have Michael Conforto, Francisco Lindor, who are going to get triple the digits Then you got Noah Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman, also free agents. 
you got to think of these guys as well. If Strowman pitches well, if Syndergaard returns and pitches well, if you get another solid year from Conforto, if Francisco Lindor breaks out as a star in New York, don't you think they should keep those players? Don't you think they should keep players that have played here in New York and gave their blood, their sweat, their tears to this team in New York? I think so. I want to keep all these players here. The players that have played well here and adjusted to New York, I want to keep those players. Trevor Bauer never wanted to come here. He didn't want to play in New York. He wanted to relax in LA. Fine. We don't want you. George Springer, that may be the one that we missed out on. But JT Romuto, another guy, didn't want to play here. I want guys that want to play here. James McCann wanted to play here. Trevor May wanted to play here. Michael Conforto has been a part of this team forever. I want him here. I want to keep Syndergaard. I want to keep Stroman. They know what it takes to pitch in this town. They know what it takes to pitch in Queens. They know what it takes to pitch at City Field. And if they play well, they should be extended. But it's going to cost a lot of money. Meaning we can't spend all of the money in one offseason. But that's just my thoughts. <laughs> I know a lot of fans feel differently, and I'm okay with disagreements. If we have conflicting opinions, that's fine, and I'm okay with it. I'm not going to tear you down. You're entitled to your own opinion, but let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. One thing's for sure. We all love the New York Mets, and that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Subway to Shade podcast. Now, do me a favor. Please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show. I've already got a couple of reviews. Let's read a couple of them. BeefQ95 says, Anthony is very detailed and gives an in-depth analysis on his views. It is a good listen. Would recommend to any fan or any New Yorker. BeefQ95, thank you, my friend, for the good review. JennyTime83 says, great guy, fun to listen to. Huge Met fan, but also fair. Let's go Mets, a must listen for any Met fan out there. Jenny Time 83 thank you so much. Do me a favor, guys. Follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Also, letting you guys know right now, you're going to start seeing some of my content on YouTube. I partnered up with my friends at the HSP Network, and you'll be able to find Subway to Shake content starting this week. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube, or put in that little search engine, youtube.com slash highspotpodcast, and subscribe to their page to find content from my show. Anthony Rivera, thanks you, that's me, I thank you for listening to the Subway to Shape podcast. Spring training's here, baby. Let's go Mets. Take care, everyone. <laughs>